right there, so nothing to look at. When Jesus came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the centurion said to the centurion, and to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. And now. Okay, so the Okay, so we're moving in Matthew. We're moving from chapter O. Yes, yes, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're moving from chapter 7, which was the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is, is it already turned on? Ready to go? Thanks. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' teaching. It's his, it's his, his primary, his magnum opus. It's the most important teaching that he does in the entire Bible. But now... Chapters 8 and 9, we're moving on from the words of Jesus, and we're going to look at the deeds of Jesus. It's still all about Jesus. But we're going to look at what, do he, what does what he did on earth tell us about him. And I want to start with an illustration. Hopefully I can get this to work. If it doesn't work, I'll explain it. And then we'll just move forward from there. But this game um, was by a guy named Ryan Green. Um, and Ryan Green, it, it's, it's crazy that he created this game. It's crazy that anybody would even want to play this game. You can get it, you can download it on your iPhone, or you can get it on like a Mac or a PC. But the reason it's crazy that he made this game is because the, the game is him walking through Joel's life, his five year old with cancer. Of work. So. 
And the re reason I find this game so fascinating is because most games are based upon, you know, themes that are very light, or at least shooting people in the face. <laughs> but he decided that he was going to help himself walk through the experience of his son, um, who got cancer when he was like 18 months old. And um, one of the things he does in this game is sort of uh, present snippets, they're actual clips. So Joel couldn't talk. So this is what he's meaning down here. So now we're walking to a park, and he has actual clips. I don't have time this morning to do it. But you can walk to each little section of the park and he has clips that he recorded of him with Joel at the actual clips with him and Joel at the park while he was alive, while Joel was alive. Um, and here's, the, here's Ryan. This is Ryan Green. This is the guy who designed the game. Uh, It's all, don't worry, it's, we're not going through the whole game. It's just a one little bitty clip we're, we're looking at right now. So you can hear... See, Joel can't really talk, as you can tell from the, the clip. I get off the swing. There it is. Oh, I was like, what is the deal? It's not even the, what I want to show. No, no. Sorry. There we go. <laughs> so the clip that, it, that I really am trying to get to is coming right up. Hey, man, just got done at the doctor. Um, now they think that maybe he's throwing up all the time because he has acid reflux. So they gave me a medication and we can give it to Joel and they said we have to give it at least three full days, but that if he's still throwing up after that, that we can come back. And I mentioned the head tilt thing again, even though they keep saying it's not related, but you always have to mention that one weird outlying thing. So I told them how his head was tilted to the right, but they still say that that's probably not related at all. So I guess we'll just give this a try and I don't know, I'll tell you more about it when you get home. This part's a little tough. You can see how he tried to illustrate the darkness. And the reason he made the game is because he believed that it was a miracle that Joel lived as long as he did. He was diagnosed at 18 months and they gave him like two months to live and he ended up living four more years and uh, Ryan Green the guy who designed this game came up for the, the idea of the game when he was in church he was sitting in church one day and was like I'm, I need to create a way for people to see what we've experienced through this process and I think it was also to help him too but this is the part I wanted to conclude with right here 
is cancer's preserving. Cancer's embalming oil. In you, cancer, are fear's oil scent. You're a snake. A serpent. A dragon snuffed out cold. His breath molten. Talons broken from the struggle to free yourself of your own skin. We'll end there. It's a fascinating game. Um, it's hard. I mean, don't get me wrong. Don't don't I mean don't hear that. It's very difficult to watch. Um, but anyway, the reason I well, okay, that's not going to be helpful. Um, the reason I wanted to, uh, yeah, you have a question. Well, I kind of have a connection to what you said. He lived four years. You do? Yeah, um, my friend's brother. He. Um, wasn't supposed to live very long, but he's like turning um, like five. Wow. And he's sick. Your friend's brother is sick. Does he have cancer also? I don't know. That's hard, isn't it? Well, and you and that's the way the way that the reason they called it that dragon cancer was because that family, the Green family, had other children, and they said to them, they said, "Listen, your brother Joel is fighting a dragon." <clears throat> Um, and, the, and one of the things I appreciate most about this game, about that scene in particular, about you can see the shadow of the dragon as it's flying over the water, um, is he talks about the serpent and the snake. And I think it's very important as we come into these healings of Jesus for us to see the darkness, not as some amorphous thing, but actually name it. Uh, name what Jesus is confronting when he, when he does his miracles. What is it that Jesus does? See, As we went through the Sermon on the Mount, we saw that Jesus is the king of the kingdom. He's the great king. He's the one who ushers in the kingdom. He's the one who invites us into the kingdom that we might enter it. But also, and this is what we're seeing as we move into Jesus' miracles, we're seeing that not only is is he the king, he's also the warrior king. He's the warrior king and he's going to do battle. And he battles three things that we see in our passage this morning. He, bat- he battles physical sickness, he battles social sickness, and he battles spiritual sickness. Let's walk through this passage this morning and look at each of those. The first being physical sickness. That's what Jesus, as the warrior king, does battle with. He approaches a man, or I, sh- I should say, I, let me reverse that, a man approaches him with leprosy. And this is one of the first instances we have where Jesus is going to begin to push back the darkness. He's going to begin to do his miracles. And now, as a quick caveat, as we dive into miracles in the Bible, I believe in miracles. Just want to put that on the table. Just want to be clear about that. Um, Now, I also believe in science. Very strongly. Very strongly in science. And I do not think that they are opposed to one another. In fact, science gets to do this really important job of telling us what is. Science studies the natural laws. It studies the incredible laws that govern our entire universe. And it's fantastic. But science doesn't tell us what can be or what should be. And when it does, it's overstepped its boundaries. That's very important to remember. When science begins to try to tell people what can be or what could be or what should be, it's moved beyond science. It's something else altogether. It's metaphysics, it's religion, it's philosophy, but it's not science. 
So we have to understand that the laws that science studies are laws that God put there in the first place. Amen. And, and we, we trust that we're going to continue to discover incredible things about the laws of God and about the laws of this universe. But we also believe that God, because He's the one who put those laws in place, we also believe that He can step into them. And we also believe that He can change them. And He can make exceptions to them. Okay, so that's, just want to be clear where I'm coming from. As we approach the miracles of Jesus, I actually believe miracles take place. They took place uh, when Jesus was on the earth, and they even still take place today. Now, we don't have time this morning to go into a whole series on miracles. We'll do that later. <laughs> but first, let's move, let's move to this miracle where Jesus gets approached by a leper. And you've got to understand, leprosy was an incredibly dark form of darkness, if there's such a thing. Can there be a dark form of darkness? Nonetheless, it was the most hated disease in the ancient world. Why? Why? Does anybody know? It was a wasting disease. Okay, so your body would slowly, literally waste away. And there was no known cure at the time when uh, people were walking around in Jesus' time. And here's the thing. When you got leprosy, it's not just that you had a physical illness. You also became an outcast in society. You were actually rejected. They, were, they would cordoned off and sent to go live in their own little communities. And if you walked out into the normal world, if you walked out into the healthy world, that's right. You had to wear bells. And not only did you have to wear bells, you also had to yell out constantly, unclean, unclean, so that people would know to avoid you. You were a total rejection from society. You lived in darkness. And so here's Jesus. And he, he's gonna, Jesus is going to go ahead, and first thing he does when the leper approaches him, he's going to break Leviticus 5 which is pretty incredible, but he's going to touch the leper because the lepers were never to be touched. But in Jesus, that's his first thing that he does is he reaches out and he touches the leper because Jesus is the first fruits in pushing back the darkness. This is the warrior king come to earth. We need a, that's why we need a name for darkness because Jesus is going to do battle. Think about it. What is physical sickness? What is disease? What do we say... When somebody gets a, an illness, we say they're fighting something, don't we? Because we recognize that it's an outside attack. Some sort of virus or bacteria has moved into your body. Or, in the case of cancer, cells have begun to split improperly in your body. But we all, it doesn't matter if you believe in God or not, everyone recognizes it as an attack on your health. It is a force coming against you, no matter what the name for it is, even if we have the perfectly scientific technical name, we still consider it an attack because we know that it's not right. We know that it's not right. And we know, and it's why we pray for those that are sick, because we understand that this is an attack on them or on us. And it can be very hard, very depressing. Has anybody gotten, has anybody gotten sick this winter? Anybody? A few of y'all? Yeah, pretty much everybody. It's hard even when you get a small illness, isn't it? You feel, if even for just a few days, you feel the weight of the darkness, don't you? It's, it's kind of depressing. You don't feel like getting out of bed. It's usually in a dark room. You feel a bit lonely because you can't go out and be with your friends. It's hard. And it's a reminder that that darkness, in that moment we feel it acutely, but it's always around us. 
It's always ready to attack us. And Jesus steps in, though. Jesus steps in. He steps into a world of darkness that he begins to touch. And he begins to push back through the miracle of healing. And we have to remember that leprosy is basically an archetypal... Does anybody know what an archetype is? Poet, can you help me out? Do you know what an archetype is? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's getting at it. Yeah, it's kind of the. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's kind of like the epitome. There you go. That works. We can use the word epitome, which is also a big word, but thank you. Awesome. But it's good. I'm just trying to help out the guys in the front. Do you know what? Do you know what an archetype is? Yeah, I do. Okay. <laughs> Great. It's an so leprosy is an archetypal disease. It means it's sort of at the. It's like it's like the most important or at the very top. Okay, most important or at the very top. It or or in this case, it's the worst. Leprosy is the worst because it's supposed to show us that sickness, sickness is true for the human race. I mean, that's what, that's what Jesus is getting at. That's what Matthew is getting at here in chapter 8. It's just true for all of us. It is true since the fall. Sickness is a part of our lives, especially physical sickness. It circles back to Jesus' teaching. Do you remember how we talked about the Beatitudes at the very beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount? He says, he opens with, blessed are the poor in spirit. Does anybody remember what we talked about? You probably don't. I don't expect you to. What we talk about when we describe the poor in spirit, it's someone who feels utterly helpless. Someone who has finally given up trying to achieve, trying to fix. It's someone who said, I have nothing. (laughs) I have nothing left. And Jesus says, you are at the door of the kingdom and you are ready to go through. That is leprosy. And that's what Jesus is showing. He's showing, I am here to reverse this. I'm here to reverse the pain and the suffering. And I am going to do it because I am the warrior king and I'm going to fight for you. Y'all, I'll be personal. I need the warrior king. I need to know, I need to have the hope that there is someone who could go before me and push back the darkness because I know I can't. For instance, I'm a hypochondriac. <laughs> I discovered that. Do you, guys know what, you know what hypochondriac is? It's somebody who's afraid of always getting sick or always thinking that they're dying or sick. So when I was in like fourth grade, what grade are you in now, Hunter? Third grade. When I was in like fourth grade, I used to come in my parents' room all the time and I'd be like, Mom, Dad, I have a stomach ache. I think I have cancer. I mean, I, I literally did this like for weeks on end. I would get, I think it was just allergies. I finally went to the, the <laughs> finally went to the allergy doctor and got it fixed. But, but, I, but I've thought about over the years, because uh, still, this still plagues me. I've thought about getting a t-shirt, and I think, that, I think I've seen it on the internet, that says it's probably cancer. Uh, and just go, ahead and just go ahead and admit it for what it is. But that's, that's how a hypochondriac thinks. Like, for instance... I cannot, some of you might be able to do this, I can't go on WebMD. <laughs> Have you ever been on WebMD? Yes. You ever, been, you ever looked up like an illness on the internet? I, Christy literally will not let me do it. <laughs> because I, like, on the internet, it's like, on WebMD, it's like, I have a small pressure in my pinky finger. You know, and WebMD will be like, it could be from overexertion brushing your teeth, or it could be a rare form of cancer that you're going to die in six months. 
I'm like, thank you. Where does the mind of a hypochondriac go? Oh, I probably just heard it brushing my teeth. Or rare form of cancer. Exactly. I can't do it. Or you can be like, you know, I have a headache. I have a slight headache. And, you know, WebMD's like, it could be from reading with the wrong type of glasses. Okay. Or it could be a massive brain tumor that you're going to die in a week. It's awful. I hate WebMD. So you can ask Christy about this. I'm telling the truth. I never, ever, ever look up an illness on the internet. It is really bad for me. But I need a warrior king. I need someone, I need the hope that there is something and someone going before me who is doing battle against all this darkness. Because some days it feels really, really dark. The next thing Jesus is pushing against as the warrior king, he's pushing against physical darkness, physical sickness, the attack that we all feel from this broken, sinful world. But Jesus also is pushing against another type of brokenness and another type of darkness, and that is social sickness. And we see this by the different miracles that are recorded even in our passage today. The first person that Jesus heals in our passage today is a leper, an absolute outcast of society, someone that you would never think about touching, you would never want to touch. On top of that, as we move on to the next story, he goes to a centurion. And the centurion comes to him and says, my son is really, really sick. It's probably a bit like Joel Green, right? Running up to him, the guy who did uh, that dragon cancer, runs up to him and says, Jesus, please, please, can you come heal my son? And Jesus is like, yeah, I'll come, I'll come right over. And the guy says, and this is where we get this idea about social sickness. The guy says, no, 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 you don't need to. Just say the word. I have men under authority. They, I say go, I say come, and they do exactly what I tell them to. All you have to do is say the word. Because he knew that Jews were not allowed in the homes of Gentiles. Now, Jesus would have gone, of course. But the Gentiles recognizing, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Whether, regardless if he knows that Jesus is the king of the universe, <laughs> is God himself, he knows that a Jew cannot enter the home of a Gentile. Because the structures of the society at that time, and guess what, today, are broken. There are an incredible amount of outcasts. Those that can find no home. They can find no place where they belong. The centurion knew that to be the case. And yet Jesus says, I'm, he's like, y'all, all the people that are following him, he's like, y'all, seriously, did you see this? Did you, did you hear the faith of this man? He's like, I have not found such great faith even in Israel, even among the people on the in crowd. I haven't heard this kind of faith. And he praises the centurion for that. And then lastly, the last story read, the last healing he talks about is a woman. And in that society, women were, I mean, if you think women are oppressed today, it was like 10 times, uh, 10 times worse in the society of Jesus' day. You know, it, it's not maybe to the extreme of like ISIS, uh, where, you know, it's, 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 women are treated just in horrible, horribly dark ways. Uh, but nonetheless, they, the fact that Jesus would talk to, interact with, and heal a woman was a really big deal. We can't, I know we can't feel it because we read it through our modern day lens, but if you were reading this in first century uh, Christianity, you would be like shocked. You'd be shocked by Jesus touching a leper. You'd be shocked by Jesus interacting with a centurion and praising a centurion. And you'd be shocked by him healing a woman. Because Jesus is pushing back the darkness. 
He is saying, y'all, <laughs> you don't get it. I am God and I have created every single human being in Mago Dei, in my image. And none of them are ever to be rejected. Ever. Even with the sickness. Even with the categories you've imposed on these different people for how you're, they're supposed to be treated in whatever particular society you're in. Jesus is like, no, we will have, no, the kingdom will have none of that. I am the warrior king and I'm going to push against that. And you'll see, you see that over and over. It's not just in this passage. Over and over in the Gospels, Jesus is pushing against the structures of society that would reject people. And then lastly, the last thing that the warrior king pushes against, the last thing that he fights, is maybe a better word, way to put it, is spiritual sickness. Um, we end, the passage ends with this, this sort of summary statement where it says, Jesus then went throughout all of the area, all of Galilee, and he healed all kinds of sicknesses and made all kinds of diseases and cast out all kinds of demons. And then there's this really important passage that Matthew inserts from Isaiah chapter 53. Does anyone know what Isaiah chapter 53 is? It's the passage about the suffering servant. You read it probably, if you go to church around Christmas time, you've heard it. And he picks out, Matthew picks out this really important part where he says, he says, um, he took our illnesses and he bore our diseases. It's a very important way that Matthew describes how Jesus, as the warrior king, is fighting disease, is fighting sickness. How is he doing it? He's taking it on himself. He's going to take all of the pain, the hatred, the sickness, the darkness, the sin, the rejection, and he's going to bear it upon himself. We haven't gotten to that part of Matthew yet, but we're getting there. <laughs> and we're getting a foretaste of the fact that Jesus is going to bear it all. The weight of the darkness of the entire world is going to be upon his shoulders, and it will crush him. It will literally kill him. Why? For us. That's the kind of king we have that goes before us. The one who sacrifices not something else, not someone else, not us, but himself. So that we can have life, so that we can have wholeness, so that we can have healing, so that we can have hope. This is the reason that we can have any sort of hope. That he would take all of our illnesses and that he would bear all of our iniquities. But there's more. <laughs> there's more. We can't lose sight of the fact that when Jesus moves in a person's life, it is a miracle. When the, when the sin in your life is put upon Him, when you have come to the point of putting your, all of your sickness and sin upon Jesus and receiving His righteousness, that's called the gospel. If you haven't done it, now's the day. Now's your chance. But if you have... Also remember that that miracle that Jesus does within us, to us, through us, is meant to then bring service to that same king. And we see that in the fact that the way that Jesus interacts with Mary, I'm sorry, not Mary, Peter's mother-in-law. Maybe her name was Mary, I don't remember. He interacts with Peter's mother-in-law. He walks in, he sees that she has a fever. He walks over to her and he grabs her hand and says, get up, I'm going to heal your fever in this very moment. And she stands up, and the passage is very clear that Jesus walks in, touches her, she's healed, she stands up, and she serves him. 
That's the first thing that she does. It's the only thing that she does, at least as it's recorded in the passage. She serves Jesus. We get the opportunity, when we have been healed in some way by the warrior king who's come into our life and taken all of the darkness from us, we get to then fight with him. That's the beauty of it. We get to also, as a community, as individuals, push back hard against the darkness. Think about the difference it makes. I mean, these tiny things. Think about if you took a couple of chocolate chip cookies, a cup of coffee or something like that, and you went around to your neighbors and just shared a good word with them. Think about the difference that makes in just just for a moment pushing back the incredible darkness of this world. Imagine if you did that at your workplace or at your school. Just tiny acts of love and of kindness. Jesus is saying, we saw this in the Sermon on the Mount. He's like, even these little things are pushing back because people are weighed down all around you every day. They're feeling the press of the darkness, of sickness, of pain, of friends whose fathers passed away. We get to push back with him. We get to fight with Jesus against it. The same is true for social sickness, right? We get to, with Jesus, push against those in our society that have been rejected. We get to go to them, we get to love them, we get to care for them, we get to draw them into our own homes. And I I pray, it is my prayer, that this church, this community of people, would be a place where we really are together pushing back against this darkness. One example I thought about even this week was I'm at, yesterday, I'm at this really tiny rural church in Covington, Virginia, which, trust me, you probably don't even know where it is. It's way on the other side of two mountain ranges. Um, But as I'm at the church, there's a lady who comes up to me, and she hears that I'm in Charlottesville. And she said, hey, my daughter's in Charlottesville. I was like, well, great. I'd love to get in touch with her, see how she's doing. She's like, well, it's been hard. I was like, okay, well, tell me about it. She said, well... She, she's not married, uh, and she has a two-year-old that is, that is gravely ill. Uh, that's part of the why I thought of this game also. And he's been through surgery after surgery after surgery at uh, the University of Virginia uh, Medical Center. And uh, she decided that she would move to Charlottesville just so she could be closer to the hospital if something else comes up. He's about, I think he's about two years old now. He takes you know tons and tons of medicines a day. And I was like, well... Well, who's caring for her? She's like, well, she has a job at the new Texas Roadhouse right up there on 29. And, uh, and my husband, that is this girl's grandfather, uh, drives up every time she has to work and so she, he can watch the little two-year-old. And I was like, whoa, that must be hard. She's like, well, they've gotten used to it. I was like, I want to help. How do we help? How do we as a community, or me as an individual, begin to push against this kind of darkness. You know she is living in a hard place. And you know that that, there are stories like that all over Charlottesville. And now, we can't meet every need, obviously. Not going to happen. But we have an opportunity with Jesus as our guide, as Jesus as our warrior king, to in small, beautiful ways help those around us. I mean, imagine, think if you took, like, instead of, like, surfing YouTube and Facebook for one hour, think if you took, like, a, a, you know, a cup of coffee or a glass of cold water and met one of your neighbors. It doesn't have to be super dramatic. You don't have to save someone from, like, committing suicide, jumping off the side of a building. It can be in really small ways. But 
We do it only because Jesus first. As we get to taste and see here this morning, He is the one who took all of the darkness and was crushed for our iniquities. Let's go to Him now. Let's pray. Lord God, um, we feel it. Some in this room have felt it this week more acutely than others. They felt the sickness. They felt the darkness, Lord. They've experienced the darkness, Lord. Please, Jesus, give us renewed hope that you are fighting against this darkness and that one day you will get the victory. We are confident that you go before us and that you fight on our behalf, Lord. Protect us and work a miracle. Lord, we know that you can. We know that you do. We know that it is your desire, Lord, to reverse the curse that is upon this world. And so we pray that you would do that more fully in our own lives, that we might go out and do it more fully in the lives of others. Lord, uh, thank you for this, this meal that we get to share together, where we're reminded that you took all of our pain so that we could have all of your goodness and your righteousness for our own and be called your sons and daughters. What a glorious gospel it is that you've given to us. We praise this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on in, kiddos. You guys missed out on all the dark talk. Darkness talk. So we'll be smiley and happy. Um, Let's read the words of institution from Matthew chapter uh, 26. Verse 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and